Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your hosts, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on February 27, 2021. It, that's two months down, two months down into the 20, uh, 2021 year. So we'll see how long. The, March was the weird one. March was the weird one last year. Let's see what this next month brings. But uh, thank you for being with us uh, tonight. Thank you for joining us. We are so grateful to have you on board. Uh, always a joy and a pleasure to uh, be able to come together and do this program and talk about the things of God with you guys, and especially with my dear brother, Rich. Just want to remind you, we are part of the Christian Podcast community. This is a collection of podcasts that are really sound and biblical. You know, not not as it, we're not all cookie cutters of one another. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some differences in theology, but generally speaking, it is always going to be uh, a good program if you find it within the Christian podcast community. It is a part of the Striving for Eternity ministry, which is uh, you know, if you know, you've heard us talk about Andrew Rappaport before. That's his uh, ministry. And uh, he helped, he set this up with a couple other folks, and it has really been a blessing to be a part of. Really recommend you go check out. I'll put I'll put the link. We've done this before. I'll put the link in the show notes. You can go to the uh, you know excuse me uh, Christian podcast. I keep wanting to say striving for eternity, and I'm going to get it all messed up. Uh, <laughs> but it, you can go to the Christian podcast community page, and you're going to find tons of stuff. I mean, of course, Andrew's rap report is always a good program. By the way, if you're a fan of Justin Peters. And you love the things that he teaches on. He's actually finally gotten a handful of programs on there. Way to go, Justin. So get on there and listen to uh, his program, Didache. Uh, we always love our, our our good brothers over at Matter of Theology, Drew and Chris. Such a blessing, the, the programs that they put out. Nathaniel Jolly and our, our friend, see, I get his name right, Eki Tepsapornchai. He was excited that I said that right. They uh, have Truth Be Known podcast. Uh, that uh, Eki just joined on with Nathaniel. That would be a great program to tune into. Uh, there's the the Five Solas podcast with uh, James Watkins, Daryl Updike. Of course, our program, uh, our, our good friend Andy Olson over at Echo Zoe Radio always has fantastic interviews. And uh, apparently we're going to get a, a mention on Truth Espresso from Daniel Minnick. Daniel... The fact that you asked me what you asked me. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah, go ahead and use it. Y'all will figure it out when you you tune in. Go check out Truth Espresso. He's got a show coming up. We are going to get a mention. I'll tell you later, Rich. I'll let that leave that for everyone else. There's a there's one on here that I just saw as I was talking about this. Uh, Dad Hackers with Patrick Antonucci. I think that's how you say it. Antonucci. Um, Equipping men to become the men God designed them to be. I may have to check that one out. Dad hackers. I'm going to check that one out. So anyway, go check out the Christian podcast community. You're always going to find a great program on there, but definitely check them out. Uh, You will find something to add to your podcast listening experience. Please. We have said this before. We we do not want to uh, be the only people in the world that uh, you listen to. Obviously that's not ever going to be the case, but we want to be a, uh, you know, a, a program that doesn't just try to bring everybody to us. We want to highlight good programs because there's so much good teaching out there. We need to combat the garbage with the good stuff. So go check that out. Uh, don't forget, we also do have a face, or excuse me, a well, we have Facebook and Twitter, but we also have a website which is slavetothe king.com, which has a kind of a one stop shop 
for blog articles, for uh, all of our links to this program. Uh, it, it will link you to our social media. It'll link you, by the way, we have a YouTube page. I don't know if y'all remember, remember me talking about this, but we actually have a YouTube page. And there's about 10 of our audio uh, blogs that have been converted into a sort of a video format where the, it has basically our show logo with some uh, with the, the actual audio in the background, where if you are a YouTuber, you can go check that out, but you can also find that on slavetotheking.com. Uh, all of those are accessible there, so please, please check that out. Now, last week I mentioned this, and I'm going to mention it again only because we did go through with it. Um, a couple of you have approached us and wanted to contribute to this show in some capacity. Uh, one has promised some uh, some financial assistance. Another did basically kind of put it in my hand and made me take it. So <laughs> very kind of you, by the way. Thank you very much. So because that we've, I want to make this clear. We have never, ever, ever in almost five years of doing this program have never asked you guys to contribute. And we're not going to ask you to contribute. What we are doing, however, because there are some of you that have expressed interest in doing so. We did set up a Patreon page. And it came with a little bit of anguish putting this together because I don't like the idea of ever making it sound like, hey, you need to pay us so we can stay on the air. This is, God has kept us on the air for this length of time by his, his work. If nobody had contributed a dime and God still wanted us on the air, we would do so. Okay, it, it would continue to go forward. It's not breaking the bank for us to do this. I, I will say that. But I also get yelled at once in a while because I try to dissuade people from helping with things financially. And I, I get in trouble <laughs> when that happens. So... Uh, we created a Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash voice of reason radio. And I will put it on the, uh, the podcast show notes. The reason that is there and is for one reason only is that if you are blessed by this program and you feel that God has equipped you to do so, has put you in a position to do so, and you want to help, then you can. You can become a patron. Now, I know most people... When they do the Patreon thing, hey, that means you get some sort of um, uh, extra content. I don't know how to do that right now. <laughs> okay? So eventually, if we do get supporters and it looks like we can work out a way to do some kind of extra content, we will do that. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. And Andrew, no. Your question from earlier today about how, uh, tier levels and what I would... Uh, you know, do something in particular. Uh, if you gave a certain amount, the answer is no. No amount is going to allow me to do that. No, it was any, nothing crazy. Just Andrew being Andrew. But <laughs> um, Andrew always likes to just tease me online and 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 try to uh, to make things just hysterical. And yeah, no, that's not happening, Andrew. So no, there will not be a tier level for any of that. But. <laughs> Should we, should some of you feel led to do so? Um, should God have equipped you to do so? And you have prayed about it and it is something you want to do. The Patreon account exists. We will not hound you. We will not beg you. Every once in a blue moon, I'm probably going to get kicked at to remind you that it exists. Um, but that's, that, that's all we're going to do with that. It, it, we put it out there because there just seems to be some interest on the part of some to want to help. And, I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is to know 
that this program means something to you guys that you want to do that. Uh, Rich and I are very humbled at, that you guys want to help in any way. We've always asked, just listen, share, and pray for us. You know, that's always been what we've asked for. The fact that some of you are stepping up and saying, no, we want to do more than that, that, that just is stunning to me. Um, that, that you've, that you've taken us into your home and made us part of your life, that that's the, that's what you want to do. So thank you. And again, it's there. It exists. The link will be on the show notes. And that's all I'm saying about it because I don't want anybody to think we're trying to to guilt anybody into this. That's as, that's as far as I'll take it tonight. But I just want to thank you. Just remember, we are part of that Christian podcast. I mean, we do have the Slaves of the King uh, website. And now we have a Patreon page. So if you want to contribute, you can. If you can't, do not, by the way. If you cannot contribute, then don't you dare contribute a dime. Okay, you take care of your responsibilities and you take care of things between you and the Lord. Don't you give a dime to this program if you are in a position where you cannot do it. I've known people over the years who say, hey, yeah, I I, I have no money, but somehow I still gave. No, 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 not to this program. We will not let you do that. Please don't, 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 don't. Um, This is only if you are able to do so. So, okay, that's it. I'm going to let that go. So, Thank you for being with us. Um, we we are just so blessed to be a part of this. Uh, we're amazed that some of you continue to be a part of our lives and and put us out there for other people to listen to. So thank you for that. And I've been yammering on for nearly ten minutes. I haven't even let let my brother Rich speak yet. So how are you doing this week, my brother? Brother, I'm better than I deserve. But I have a question. Okay. Have you been online this week? and read some of the absolute bizarre <laughs> tweets that have filled our, uh, my mind went completely blank, streams <laughs> on Facebook and Twitter. There's been things that have been posted yeah. that are just out of the ordinary. And my next question, I noticed, um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give any names or groups or anything, but I saw a question today, and it made me think of a question. Women that apply for Bible school, mm-hmm. that enroll in Bible school, that enroll in seminary studies, that enroll in theological-type classes and courses, do these seminaries and colleges ever stop and ask these women, why are you wanting to take this class? Why are you wanting to pursue this area of education? Why are you wanting to pursue knowledge in this Mm -hmm. venue? I don't know. I've not gone through one of the application processes through one of these colleges or seminaries, but I'm just curious if any of our listeners have, you know, um, ladies in their lives that have applied and taken some courses are these questions being asked by seminaries? Because, and this is the big, big caveat that <laughs> might get me hit in the head with an iron skillet, but I don't care. <laughs> if that question is asked and the woman replies, I feel called to the ministry, I feel called to preach, how many seminaries would actually stand up and tell them, no, you cannot be a minister. No, you cannot pursue this course of action. Sadly, I think that has contributed greatly to the problems 
that we are seeing in American evangelicalism today when it comes to women wanting to be pastors and teachers. Yeah. What do you think? I absolutely agree. I'll start. I'll do a. I'll do a Bill Clinton. Remember when Bill Clinton was was the the definition of a of a bad president? Miss Bill Clinton. Anyway, we'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> I'll do a Bill Clinton on you. I'll answer the second question first, and then the first question last. But when it comes to the the, the seminaries today, I, I think I, I honestly this this will get me in trouble too. I almost think one of the most dangerous places for a Christian anymore today is seminary. Uh, seminaries are supposed to be where you go to become equipped to preach and teach the Word of God. And it should be that it's actually pre- equipping you to preach and teach the Word of God, not man's wisdom, not the latest and greatest woke theology or some sort of uh, you know philosophy. It should be equipping you to become a minister of the Word of God. And so the idea that a that many seminaries, I mean, there are still some today, praise God for places like Master's Seminary in, in California. Praise God for colleges uh, like Ligonier's uh, you know, Re- Reformation Bible College down in Florida, where they are still training people to believe the Word of God and to preach the Word of God. But more and more, the seminaries are compromising because of wanting to become partnered with the world so to speak and you know they don't i honestly i i sadly believe that there are far too many seminaries that if a woman said i want to be a pastor i want to you know lead a church i want to be an elder or an overseer in the church they wouldn't but bat an eye they'd go okay here's the classes you need to take and this is going to get you and I in trouble, Rich, because there's a lot of people out there right now who say, how dare you uh, try to restrict women from what God has called them to, yet God's word is so very clear on the roles that we have. And a, you know, a, a seminary, which should be equipping people to preach and teach the word of God in its entirety, they're just sadly far too often are not doing that. They're teaching them uh, man-centered thinking. So uh, go ahead. Adding to that is not just seminaries per se, but different colleges that basically are secular in nature, but have theology courses that you can take to pursue a degree in some form of biblical teachings or theology or biblical studies yeah and you know we see a mixture of all that going on you know a a standalone seminary should be organized a bit different than a secular type college when it comes to admittance when it comes to the course curriculums and you know all of those type of things but sadly more and more and more like you say are bowing to the current whims of culture. And sadly, I think more times than not, that's not necessarily the problem. It's they want that tuition. They want people Mm -hmm. enrolled. They want people taking their classes. You know, they claim they are the best in such and such an area that, you know, ours is, you know, very 
accredited and, and list, you know, a slew of different letters of accreditation organizations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's like everything else. There's more than one reason that's happening, but there are at least for tonight's show, there's one really great example of what happens when these men in these colleges and seminaries are not discerning, they're not asking questions, and they are allowing any woman with a checkbook to enter mm-hmm. their classes and courses to pursue a degree or to pursue furthering education as it pertains to biblical knowledge. Absolutely, absolutely, and, it, and it's very, very tragic, especially when you consider, um, and, and by the way, we're going to bring up Jory Micah tonight, and and as this will probably find its way back to her, um, not because we, we think that highly of ourselves, but should she be tagged in this jury has a way of just going after and lambasting anybody who dare disagree with her as being sexist or misogynist. Uh, jury Micah and, and Rich, I'll let you explain, um, who she is a little bit more. She is, she's one of those individuals that proclaims to be a Christian why I'm not really sure, um, because she certainly seems to reject everything that Christianity has been founded upon, especially upon the Word of God, which is going to be our topic. Um, but there's just not a leftist or progressivist mindset that she doesn't embrace, and there's not a biblical uh, conservative principle of any kind that she finds acceptable. And yet, she is unfortunately, I, I think, a product of what con- she is. A, I think a a great a example of what compromise with the world brings. And there are many, many people. I mean, I, I, sadly, I hate to bring her her into the spotlight because I really believe. And you and I were talking about this in, in pre-show, Rich. She has grown, and when I first you you and I first saw her a few years ago, she she didn't have that. She had following, but I don't think it was as big as it is now. And I think, unfortunately, this is one of those things that when we draw attention to someone, that person gets more focus, and then that person draws more followers. So it's it's very unfortunate. It's very frustrating to watch, but at the same time, the scriptures do make it clear that we are to. Um, Mark and avoid those who would bring false doctrine and bring division. And, and sadly, Jory Micah is one of those individuals. I, and believe me when I say, I, even before the show started, we're praying for Jory Micah. She needs to repent because the things that she has posted, especially what we'll talk about tonight, she is putting herself in the crosshair of God's judgment. If she does not repent of the things that she is saying, she is misleading people. She is leading people away from the word of God. There is very clear teaching about what God thinks of those who uh, teach people to disobey Him. You know things like it's better that a mill not a mill still being hung around the neck and drowned at the depths of the sea kind of warning. Okay, and we don't want that for Jory. We don't. We want her to repent. We want her to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, she certainly sounds like she's had some issues in her life. And again, Rich, I'll let you talk about that. But we bring her out, not so that we can pick on her, not so that we can tear her down, uh, but what she is telling people, what she is using her platform for, it is false, it is dangerous, 
and Jory needs to repent. And we want to keep pe- we want people to be aware of these are not just Jory's arguments. These are arguments that are consistent with progressivist leftist Christianity, which is no Christianity at all. It is paganism repackaged. And it, it, we want people to understand that as you go out into the world and you're talking to people who say, well, I'm a Christian, but these are where their influences are coming from. So we want to be able to interact with some of that. So Rich, you had, uh, you and I were talking a little bit earlier. You had looked at her website a little bit more closely and looked at some of the, her background. Why don't you explain that to everybody? And then we'll talk about this, uh, uh, this thing she put on Twitter recently. Well, like you said, one of the main reasons for tonight's episode is to warn people to stay away from this lady. She has a book coming out in the very near future, which will probably sadly increase her reach even farther. And, you know, we, we are to call out false teachings, but my concern is for women and, and young ladies and girls to be warned and not fall influenced to these particular types of teachings. I will say this, I have far more respect for Jory Micah than I ever ever will for Beth Moore. For the simple fact that Beth Moore is very ambiguous, you know, kind of subtle here and there on what she thinks and believes. Jory Micah does not shy away from what she believes and what she holds to. I can at least respect that because she's not trying to play both sides of the fence. I, I, she's completely wrong, but I can respect the fact that she's not playing that two sides of the coin and, and trying to pander to one side or the other. So I will, I will put that out there at least, you know, that much. I, I would much prefer a person that professes to be Christ to, you know, back up and hold to what they're claiming, even if it is wrong, versus someone like Beth Moore that tries to pander to everyone under the sun. And there's no other way, no nice way to put it other than that. But, you know, like you said, Jory Micah came on our radar a couple of years ago. And from what I can remember, her reach has almost doubled in that amount of time. But, and for the record, we're not putting any Jory Micah links in tonight's show. If you follow Chris or I and you, and you follow Voice of Reason Radio and you would like to read some of this for yourself, you can contact us through, you know, private message, email, the website link, whatever, and I will send it to you, and you can read and research more for yourself. But I refuse to put out any links to her information for the simple fact I don't want the wrong person to find it and end up being influenced by this woman's teachings. Do you agree with that, Chris? I, I do agree, and believe me, when our refusal okay. to uh, our refusal to put the links there is not because, oh, this isn't true. Believe me, it's true. You just got to go to her Twitter page or her her website to find it. We're just we we do not want to give her more traffic, because what she says and what she does is really bad, and we don't we don't want to give her even more spotlight than what we have to do with this show. Well, you know, looking at just a very, very surface level reading, let's just see what she has to say about herself. Um, On one social media account, she uses this in her bio, Christian theologian and soon-to-be author, 
A Woman Minister's Journey Flipping Tables and Finding Liberation. Love Luke, she slash her, hashtag BLM. Okay. Uh, pronouns On another in the one. bio. <laughs> On another one. Christian writer, speaker, and lover of humanity. Partner to Luke and mommy to fur baby Noella. I taught progressive theology, faith, feminism, and politics. Okay, so the plot thickens a little bit. Um, by the way, I would like to paraphrase a friend of ours. He wrote, a proper fear of the Lord should affect the way pastors and elders guard the Lord's table. I would like to include a proper fear of the Lord should affect the way everyone regards the word, the word of God, the word of God, because so much foolishness and just contextualization is going on. It's just sad. But anyway, getting back to Jory, this is from her about section. I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 13, when I was 13 years old and immediately felt called to be a minister. Okay. First problem. She was Christianized at age 13, but the troubling part of that statement is that she immediately felt called to be a minister. Mm-hmm. Going on, when I was 18 years old, I packed my car and moved from Pittsburgh to Dallas to attend Bible school. It was there that my fire for women's rights in the Christian church began. I was confronted by the cool guys, and that's in quotes, and told that my dream of being a leader in the church was a sin because women were not meant to lead men. Little did they know they were fueling a fire that still burns today. I became armed and dangerous with the truth of the Holy Bible and found out that they were misinterpreting Scripture. Since I greatly valued the the authority of the Bible, and I knew that those who opposed me did too, I sought higher education. I completed an AA in practical theology, a BS in church ministries, and an MA in biblical studies with an emphasis on Christian doctrine and church history. Okay. If you do not notice the many, many, many red flags in those two paragraphs, you've got more issues than with just Jory <laughs> Micah. You need to open the book. You need to read. You need to study. But I find from the very beginning her defiance to the authority mm-hmm. that God has placed over us, overwhelming, when when basically she's saying that because those men told her she could not lead men, she could not minister a church, she did not question her motives. She did not question whether they were right or wrong. As she put it, she became armed and dangerous. Yeah. She was full-out rebellion. How dare they tell me that I can't do this because this is something I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then she pursues to set out for the next several years to validate her own emotions, to validate her own feelings, which ended up and still override, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. And it gets worse. For her masters, she wrote a thesis, which, you know, like I think everyone has to do. Mm-hmm. I made the unfortunate mistake of reading and studying her thesis just to see exactly what it is that she believes in what she's teaching. And it just gets, it's just a fiery, fiery mess 
of a snowball that just keeps rolling downhill. Downhill, excuse my tongues <laughs> twisting. Let me pull this up here. For the record, Rich is not speaking in tongues. <laughs> no. I, I am from down under. If people haven't already figured out, I am from down under. I live in the southern portion of the United States, but sometimes my dialect and my, and my accent overwhelms my tongue and things just kind of get <laughs> twisted around. But she stated during that in her master's thesis, she submitted... During her graduate studies, she explains in detail her view of women and their place in the world and ministry. And this is, the, I'll, just, I'll just tell you the summary. Her thesis is full-blown, outright, liberation, Christian feminist propaganda that twists scripture and does a gymnast act on so much that's in the Word of God. I, I, I want to mention this before I get into it. She states that she based her thesis solely on Scripture. That in itself is false because on her introduction page, in her footnotes, she mentions books that she used in research that were, guess what, by feminists who proclaimed to be Christians. One of them is a lady I'm not familiar, familiar with, a, a Mary Evans and a book she wrote back in like 1983 and a couple of others of other books on feminist Christianism, like in the mid to early 90s. And honestly, I have no desire to know anything further about these individuals. Yeah. <laughs> but in her introduction, and I'll try to go through this pretty quick because we still haven't even got to the meat of tonight's discussion. But I want to give background and I want to give clarity on where she's coming from, what she believes and why she believes it before we even address what she's actually said, because the background sets the context of why she tweets and posts what she does. In the introduction, she starts out, the argument has grown tiresome, redundant and frustrating. Should women be allowed to hold leadership roles over men in the Christian church? Many Christian leaders and biblical scholars have agreed to allow women in their pulpits, but many still cling to a view that makes the Apostle Paul look like a male chauvinist who has given a universal principle that women are to be silent and never hold a church office. And Chris, if you want to chime in as I go through this, just feel <laughs> yeah, welcome. I'm going to let you finish because I'm already, I'm already starting to vibrate just a little bit. But go ahead, you finish okay. up there. <laughs> There, there's a couple of golly whoppers on down in this, so that's my word for the day, golly whopper. <laughs> and I'm not reading her entire, entire introduction. I, I kind of split it down for brevity because otherwise I, I would be talking for the rest of the hour. But she goes on and says, while these arguments may be appealing to some because it is a clean cut and, lo and logical to the human mind, there is an enormous amount of fault with this so-called biblical mandate, mainly that God is not a man and men are not God. Okay. <laughs> she went on. While Jesus walked the earth as a male, he no longer has a gender. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are all of one spirit, representing both male and female attributes. And she references Genesis 1, 27. 
is clear that God created both man and woman in his image. God is just as much a mother as he is a father. Christ is not only a brother, but he is also the bridegroom of the church. While this philosophy is less attractive and incomprehensive to the human mind, it is the truth of the Holy Bible. By complementarian point of view is clear-cut, but focuses only on select portions of Scripture. When studying the Bible as a whole, complementarian thought loses its validity and systematic attraction. Since complementarians are responding to evangelical feminism, it is important to note what evangelical feminism is. Popular Christian feminist Gail Ramshaw understands the dangers of the word feminist and defines healthy Christian feminism as the wide range of theory and practice that affirms the full humanity of women. Understanding creation is crucial among Christian feminists. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 represents no sort of subordination between male and female. <laughs> Going on, and now we're getting to... Getting into the migraine portion of tonight's show. Oh boy. Further, God states that he has created man in his own image. There is no indication that Adam had a specific gender before Eve entered the picture. Oh though, the <laughs> though the Bible... In I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm reading her words. Oh, man. Though the Bible and this thesis uses masculine, masculine language like he... To write about God, it is simply a matter of writing style. While God is spirit and has no sexual gender, one can find imagery throughout Scripture which authors have used in an attempt to describe the I am. And she mentions a couple of writers that, and says that they are correct that the Bible often calls God Father. One cannot ignore that God also sees himself as a motherly figure as well. In Numbers eleven twelve, God is speaking of his chosen people, the Israelites, when he says, Was it I who conceived all this people? Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? <clears throat> Going on, more explicit feminine terminology is used elsewhere with God being described as midwife, seamstress, housekeeper, nurse, and mother. The fact that such feminine imagery is found at all in relation to God means that we cannot really use the preponderance of the masculine imagery as an argument for differentiating between male and female in their relation to God, nor can we use it to support hierarchy in their relation to each other. <laughs> Mm. Okay, okay, keep going. Sorry. Okay. All right. Only one more. <laughs> Some Christian denominations refuse to ordain women based on certain Pauline passages in the New Testament, while other Christian denominations use Pauline passages to support the ordination of women in church. This is an obvious problem, <laughs> not only in the church, but also in the world, which often looks to the church for life answers. What kind of message is the Christian church sending to the world in this ongoing and conflicting dilemma, while many Christian, while many Christ followers would argue that women in leadership is not a salvation issue, therefore it is acceptable for Christians to agree or disagree on this subject. <laughs> it could be it could be argued that women in Christ, Christian leadership 
is very much a salvation issue. Perhaps the belief one way or another does not affect an individual's salvation. It does, however, affect the Great Commission being spread throughout the earth. It is a Christian's duty to speak up for women who have felt a calling from God to be a leader within the church over both men and women. This does not indicate that the church should exalt female leadership over male leadership. Rather, it encourages women to do what God has called them to do. And that was just a brief snippet uh. from the actual thesis. Believe me, it goes, it gets even worse than that. Um, I won't, I won't go through every scripture reference, but I looked up quite a few of the scriptures where they were, were that they were alluding to, that referred to, or alluded to the fact that God is is mentioned in a female mm-hmm. pronoun or referred to in a motherly way. Um, Here's one, Hosea 11, 3 through 4. God described as a mother. God, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, I who took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. That is one of the passages they use to defend calling God a mother or using a feminine pronoun or femininity applying it towards God that because of these verses and many others like it that are metaphors about how you know God loves his people like a mother loves her child therefore that means that God could be either male or female okay Chris your turn (laughs) That's a whole nother show just to get into those issues. But, I mean, what that what that does is establishes that Jory, like a lot of progressivist liberal theologians, to use the term, start with presuppositions. They start... Oh, one more. Okay. One more. <laughs> I don't want one um, more. <laughs> I, I, I read through some of our blogs. I'm sorry. I, I was trying to do my homework. Basically, women that adhere to a complementarian view, they are basically, or as she put it, they are obviously internalized. They have been affected by internalized misogyny. Okay, so she's fully woke, too. Okay. Yeah. On on her website, she had a guest writer. Um, I I won't give the writer's name, but she had a guest writer. Part of the article she wrote... She stated, I believe God made LGBTQ plus people in God's image. I believe that anyone who is LGBTQ plus can absolutely be a Christian, too. My journey here started with love, but I have also been diving into Bible study that has led me to believe that Scripture does not condone, or excuse me, does not condemn the LGBTQ plus Christian community. Ugh. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so <laughs> getting back to what I was saying, don't you dare bring another one of those up. Uh, sorry. Um, this is what the what this exposes is that again, Jory Micah and others like her, including her guest writer, start with a presupposition. You're not gonna read scripture and draw this out 
you're not going to read Genesis to Revelation and draw this out. Why? Because we can look at 2,000 years of church history and recognize that when people started to go sideways and church councils came together and they looked into the scriptures, they established, this is what the Bible says. This is clear. We have 2,000 years of church history backing up what you know we have always understood the scriptures to say. It is recent developments with things like postmodern ideology, uh, all these different various theories like queer theory, gender theory, and all these other things, and woke theology. It is what has happened in the last, you know, couple hundred years with you know as as we have seen the more uh, more and more importation of leftist theology, po- you know, post uh, Reformation as you know the the church recovered the gospel from the Roman Catholic Church, which had, had corrupted it. And we established the truth, and the, and, the, and the scriptures were in the hands of the people. And people began to bring in their own ideologies and say, well, I don't like what scripture says here, and I'm going to think it means this instead of that. That's what we're seeing with Jory Micah. And you can see that. She has full-on embraced a woke feminist the, uh, theology, and she has imported that. See, the interesting thing about someone like a Jory Micah is if you were to tell Jory Micah, here's what the passage about, you know, women not being able to hold a position of authority within the church, she will contextualize the daylights out of it. That is a clear passage. Paul makes it very clear. She will contextualize the day, daylights out of it. And I've seen her do this. And uh, Jory has me blocked because I, I followed James White and I agreed with him on something a couple years ago. And um, she blocked me and just about everybody else that was following James during that time. But there's still access to Jory's page if you know how to do it. And I've seen some of the things she said. And she contextualizes the daylights out of it. She also likes to say things like, well, Paul's not, uh, Paul's not Jesus. Rejecting the idea that Paul has Paul's writings are of divine inspiration, that they're just a man's writings, that the only writings that are worth really caring about are the ones in red, which were really not Jesus's words, but quotations written by other authors. So she 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 likes to play this this game word game, but she does so because she wants to import leftist progressivist ideology into scripture. You can't. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to add this that there is actually a sad tragedy to Jory Micah, and it also has greatly affected her view of the Bible. And because of this, she is appealing to women that have been Christianized, that have never been saved, and that has contributed to her following. I won't go into the deep into details, but she talks and writes about it. You know, like I said, her problems were pretty clear. She was Christianized at age 13, but she goes on in some of her writings and talks about she was a victim of, of sexual abuse, which seemed to occur at some point later. But reading in some of her writings, it just jumps out that grief from that mm-hmm. had turned to hatred for for male authority and for some reason, especially male authority in the church. And I think that in itself helped fuel her rebellion against any male implied type headship mm-hmm. in, in, in the church. And, you know, that's led her to embrace the entire progressive liberation view. And, you know, as with 
all these teachers, like you say, they contextualize everything, the eisegesis, every passage of Scripture to fit with what they feel and what they think, or worse, what they want it to mean. But that is, that is one thing that when, when the Lord talks about forgiving others, a lot of times it's because if we don't let go of that anger, if we mm-hmm. don't let go of that grief, if we don't let go of that hatred, it will consume us. It will affect us. It will direct and guide our lives. And it will and can direct and guide our view of Christ. Sadly, she is an example of this happening to a person. Now, some of that I am, honestly, I'm making assumptions, but it's not a hard leap to mm-hmm. make that connection based on her on her own statements. I just wanted to put that out. And Yeah, of course. Know, besides, we, we, we want to be fair. We want to be fair. Yeah. Besides praying for this lady's salvation, we need to pray that God grants her a heart of forgiveness towards those that have honestly, physically abused this, this lady. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, he, and here's the thing. That is tragic. And it should be seen as tragic. In fact, it should anger us that anybody ever victimized somebody in that way. And that person should be held accountable, and that person's going to stand before God one day. And what we should do is not encourage someone like Jory or anybody else to then corrupt their understanding of Scripture so that that somehow brings them what they believe is some sort of comfort in this life. Because, well, if I think of God this way, then it justifies my thinking uh, of, of how I perceive that incident. Rather, we should be encouraging that person, this is what the Word of God says about the evil that was done to you, the evil of those who maybe didn't you know, act on it or the evil of those who did uh, covered it up. And those individuals are going to be held accountable. And that we are, we serve a God of of justice. And it, apart from redemption in Jesus Christ, they are going to burn in the hottest parts of hell. Now that is what we should teach someone who goes through that. We don't then corrupt scripture so that we think that that is going to somehow comfort someone further. And that's an even greater tragedy because then that person worships, worships, excuse me, worships a God of their own creation to comfort themselves. And that's not the comfort that God brings. That is worldly ideology that leads nowhere and sadly all too often leads to condemnation for the person who now has to, they've lived with this tragedy all their life, this tragic abuse but they've rejected the god true god of comfort and now they think that they they are right with the god of their own creation and truthfully they're going to stand before god because they've rejected the true god of scripture and they're going to be held accountable for that on top of what that what was done to them and it's a righteous judgment god is not going to look at us and go well you've endured tragedy in your life therefore i won't judge you no he will condemn you for your sins and he'll do so rightly so it is incumbent upon us to comfort rightly with scripture and hold people accountable for their sins but we don't comfort so to speak with false teachings about God. It's just absolutely making the situation worse. And that's tragic because she's gone through that, but it's even more tragic that she's using this to justify her rebellion against God and lead others into condemnation. It's, it, that I just can't imagine 
making your situation any worse other than let me just pile more uh, lies upon the tragedy that I've that I've endured in my life. That's just it's it's heartbreaking to hear that. So anyway, to to get to this issue because we've gone 45 minutes into the show and we haven't even really gotten to the topic of what it is she posted. But here's the problem: when you have someone like a Jory Micah who has spent their life in rebellion to God, didn't like want to hear. I can't be a preacher. Didn't want to hear, I can't be an eldership or leadership in the church. So rebelled against God from day one. And I don't know what she was told. Jory likes to make it sound like she was, uh, you're sinning for even thinking this. How dare you go sit in your corner? That's how she's writing it. But we don't know what the actual conversation is. Far too often from what I've seen, Rich, when those conversations come down, it's like, uh, dear heart, we need to have a conversation. This is what God's word says. And you're you're going against God's word. Well, I feel that, yes, but if you continue to pursue that and you rebel against God, you're sinning against God and his word. And what the, what the person who is defensive then goes, what you're telling me is I'm, t- I'm this terrible, wicked person for wanting to serve God. And they get their defenses up. So we don't know what the actual conversation looked like. We only have Jory's side of this. It may have been a harsh conversation. Maybe she could have been handled better. But uh, all too often, these are painted... In the, in the worst light possible to make persons like Jory look like the hero because they were victimized by the church. So you've got this person who spent her entire life pursuing education of a sort that leads to what we saw posted on February 22nd, 2021 on Twitter. Now, Rich, you said you read from her own material what she's done to become a theologian and teacher. Here's what she writes, February 22nd, 2021, on Twitter. I've spent my whole life studying the Bible, which I believe has made me a wiser person. Okay, that sounds good, but it doesn't stay there. And yet, the Bible is not my final authority anymore because I'm wise enough to now understand that I could be interpreting it wrong. What I trust most now is my own inner guidance system. Hold on, it keeps going. Christian theology teaches us that when we decide to follow Christ, our hearts, minds, and spirits are redeemed and rejuvenated. Then we teach Christians not to trust themselves. It doesn't make sense. We need to learn how to flow with the Spirit of God inside of us. Christians need to learn everything about intuition and discernment. We have been conditioned to not judge people. Okay, conditioned to not judge people. That's bad theology. We've talked about this on the show. But we must learn to judge people in order to keep them sa- keep each other safe from liars and abusers. We need to wake up from our slumber and learn how to judge with wisdom and justice. Now, that last line... I would agree with, but for an entirely different reason. That first line, I would agree with, but disagree with how she sees herself as being a wiser person. So let's kind of break down what she's, what we're talking about here. Jory says that studying the Bible has made her a wiser person. Now, I would absolutely agree. If you genuinely study the Bible without the presuppositions of leftist ideology, 
you will become a wise person because the word of God makes one wise. I absolutely agree with that. The problem is, is that Jory supports every progressivist leftist agenda that is in contradiction with the word of God. So for her to say she studied the Bible and it's made her wiser, I believe she studied it with a predetermined agenda in mind. And that's where she's found things and gone, I like that, I like that, I like that. And that makes me wiser because I'm loving, I'm caring, I want people to be feel loved, etc. I want to protect people. So that's how she sees herself as wiser. But you can't read scripture in its original context I mean, and, and draw out the things that Jorik does. Um, she, she's importing things into scripture. She finds the verses that she thinks supports that, like the idea of, uh, you know, uh, Christ speaking to Israel and saying, I, I, as a mother hen would get, gather her chicks, I would gather you to myself and says, see, that makes God a woman. She's wise in her own eyes. She's choosing wisdom of the world. And she says she's wiser. She's not drawing wisdom from scripture. All right. So that's the first thing. She then says she's not, the Bible's no longer her final authority because she's wise enough. That's a terrifying phrase, wise enough. Um, and I, there's a context, and I'll get to that. But to ever say that you are wise enough to figure something out, Rich, as a Christian, we should be humbled by the Word of God and recognize the depths of uh, uh, that it reaches, the breadth, the width, the height, things that we cannot even begin to comprehend. If we can ever say we've read it for so many years and now we're wise enough to whatever, that's terrifying. We should never be able to say that. We should be able to say we've grown in our understanding. We are humbled. We are in a continual repentance before the Lord. We are, we, we, our knowledge has been grown. But to say we're wise enough, that's a terrifying, terrifying phrase. But then she goes on to say, She's wise enough to think that she could be interpreting it wrong. And yet, Jory is not rejecting the liberal leftist mantra that she has made her agenda for so long. So how could she possibly be meaning that she's interpreting it wrong? Um, I think it's where she, you know, when she finds passages that are in contradiction with her preconceived notions... That, well, I must be interpreting that wrong because over here, this justifies what I believe. So over here, this doesn't seem right to me. So I must be interpreting this wrong. Here's, let's just get something straight about interpretation. First and foremost, there's one interpretation of scripture. Okay. It is the, it is the message that was intended to those whom it was written. Okay. So Rich, if I tell you, I went to the store and I bought milk bread, water, cereal, and I am preparing for the great snowmageddon. I have conveyed a message to you. And I want you to understand that what I did was I went to the store, I bought bread, milk, water, cereal, and prepare preparation for the coming storm. Okay. I, that, if you were to take anything else from that and say, oh, what Chris meant was he was, uh, he was going to go to the movies. You've, wrongly interpret, interpreted what I said. Okay, there is an or intended meaning. Go ahead. Or I, if I said, well, Chris must be on a diet and he's intending for no one in his house but him and his children, all they're going to be eating for a while is just milk right. and cereal. 
I'm close, but I'm not quite there. Yeah, you've you've injected something into that that I never conveyed. So you've in, when you interpret what I've said, you're taking what I said specifically, you're breaking it down and going, this is the intended message. You're not adding anything into it. You're not taking anything away. You're, you're interpreting it to understand its original meaning to you as the recipient. So when we read scripture, like if we're reading the Pauline epistles, which was something she referenced, then we are saying, Paul said this to the Corinthians. Paul said this to the Ephesians. Paul said this to Timothy. We want to know what Paul was communicating and specifically what he meant for that person or church to understand. That is interpretation. There is then also application. So if I've told you, you know, we're talking about the going to the store and buying groceries, and I've said, this is what I went to the store and bought because of the coming storm, you, Rich, can go, wow, Chris was preparing for the coming storm. Maybe I should consider doing that too. You're looking at what I've said to you, what I'm doing, or I've told you, Rich, you, sh you know, people should go to the store and do this. You may get, then go, you know what? Chris is telling people to go to the store and buy things they need for the coming storm, I can then say, I should then look at my list and go, what other things would be appropriate to add to my list to be prepared for the storm? So I can apply it and expand it out to how that's going to have impact in my life, but I, you still have to deal with the original intended message. So there's interpretation and there's application. The idea that she can say, well, I'm wise enough to understand I may be interpreting it wrong. I think she is word salad. Okay, she's simply saying uh, there are areas of scripture I don't think I agree with. And I'm wise enough to get that now. Because it used to be we were told the Bible meant this and this is only what it means. Well, I think I'm smart enough now to figure out that's probably not the right way to look at it. And, and the way we know that is by what she says next. What I now trust is my own and trust most is my own inner guidance system. So Jory is not believing that you can look to scripture as a final authority because she doesn't believe that scripture actually has an intended message that we are supposed to read and understand. Rather, she's looking at her own under, her, you know, what the scripture tells us to actually do the opposite of, right? We're to lean not on our own understanding. You know, the, you know, when it comes to the issue of wisdom, we're supposed to go to God's word first for wisdom. When, you know, Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. If I'm getting wisdom, it's because I'm getting it from God and his word. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding, not from my own intuition. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We, we are, how are we going to know God? We are to know Him through His revealed Word. We can't generate godly wisdom within ourselves. Our wisdom is at, is at war with God's Word. You know, go to 1 Corinthians uh, 1.25-29. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. It, whatever, what, the, 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 the least wise thing of God, which is, that there is no least wise thing, but whatever we would say is foolishness of God is far wiser than even the wisest thing that we could ever come up with. 
The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. What the world sees is foolish. What Jory Micah sees is foolish. God uses to confound her wisdom. Okay? God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. We cannot generate godly wisdom in ourselves. We must go to God for that. So to be wise enough to understand her interpretation would be wrong, she has to abandon godly wisdom and she uh, you know excuse me to to for her to be genuinely wise to genuinely understand where her issues of scripture would be she would have to abandon the worldly wisdom and she would have to submit to the authority of god she's doing it backwards she's abandoning godly wisdom of the scriptures and going to the wisdom of herself the wisdom of the world she just and she clearly states she doesn't see the bible as her th- final authority. It is her own inner guidance system. Now, she takes it a step further. Christian theology teaches us that when we decide to follow Christ, our hearts, minds, and spirits are redeemed and rejuvenated. Now, are we changed when we are born again? Yes. When we become a new creation in God, when we are, you know, when we die to sin and we were born again in Christ, we are a new creation. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We are made a new creation. We are at war with God. When we hear his word, we want to reject it. When we see his commands, we find them too burdensome. We want to uh, pursue our own interests. Yet God promises to the Israelites you know, through the prophet Ezekiel that there would come a day that he would give them a new heart and a new spirit and that the spirit of God would reside within them, giving them the, the ability to walk in his statutes, not for merit, but because of their love for the Lord and because they were a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Definitely agree. We are made new. But we're not, I would, I will say I agree, but would rather reward it. We're not rejuvenated. Because rejuvenated, it's like, okay, I find an old 57 Chevy on the side of the road. Uh, it's, it's for sale. It's beat up. It's destroyed. And I buy it for a couple hundred bucks and I take it back and I rejuvenate it. I rebuild it. I make it new again. But that's not the case. See, that 57 Chevy at one point was pristine came right off the showroom, was beautiful, and broke down over the years. I didn't come out as a pristine being. I came out as a busted, rusted out hulk of a piece of junk. And God makes me a new creation. So we're not rejuvenated. We are redeemed, but we're not rejuvenated. I don't think that's an appropriate word. But here's the thing. Yes, we're redeemed. Yes, we're made a new creation. 
but were not yet glorified. She says, we, we tell people their, their hearts, mind, and spirits are redeemed and rejuvenated, but we tell them not to trust themselves. That makes no sense. Here's the, here's the reason for that. And this is why rejecting scripture as her authority is one of the most dangerous things someone like a Jory Micah can do. We are not yet glorified. We are not yet fully and completely redeemed heart, mind, soul. Okay? How do we know this? Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 7, verses 20, uh, 21 into 8. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see my in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And as many theologians have you know, said over the years, this is that, that war of, of the spirit and the flesh that Paul was talking about. That even in our redeemed state, we war with our flesh. I know there are some that differ on that issue, but I I agree with when I say when we read this, we see that war. And why is he rejoiced? Because in Christ, we can have that battle. He redeems us. Now, we go to uh, chapter 8, 28 through 30. And now we know that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become formed to the image of God, or image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God calls us, justifies us, makes us redeemed in his sight, sanctifies us meaning that we go through this process of being made more and more like Jesus Christ, and then we are one day glorified. We stand before God made perfect in eternity. But we still go through this process of sanctification. And then finally, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is spiritual worship. So this is a command to believers. We are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. How do we do that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. How do we you know, present ourselves as a sacrifice? We renew our minds in the Word of God. We have to discern what is God's will, not through our own senses, because those are fallible. But we present ourselves to God, and He transforms us through the renewal of our minds by with the you know the the, the word that he reveals to us. He transforms us so that we are not conformed to the things of this world. Jory would have people believe that you can trust your still busted and broken thinking because you're still in this flesh. But we are told not to conform ourselves to the world. So how do we know? How can we do that? We conform ourselves through his word. Rich, any thoughts on this? 
Yeah, there's just one problem with everything you just said. What's that? You have to actually be saved for all that to apply to you. Amen. And the Bible tells us as Christians, we are to judge those that claim to be Christian. We are to judge those that sit among us. And we are to cast the evil person out. There's one thing within that tweet thread that jumps out to me more than anything else. When we decide to follow Christ. She even referenced that in her bio. Based on her fruit, based on everything that we've read and just what we spoke on tonight, based on the things that she has stated herself, based on the things that she believes and adheres to, this lady made a profession of Christ, but she has never possessed Christ. Amen. She's never been genuinely saved. And that's the problem, the root of the problem in all of this. She's been Christianized. She's been to school, obviously, many, many, many years. But as a person that has been truly born again, that has truly been saved, we are led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit opens our heart to understand the words of God. And we will, God would not allow us to continue in a path of sin. We may end up in a bog, referencing Paul Bunyan's A Pilgrim's Progress. We may end up in a bog for a while, but the Lord will not leave us there for decades. And that is the heart of the problem with Jory Micah and everything that she believes and says. There's no true fruit of repentance in Christ in anything that she's putting out. She has Bible knowledge but she does not possess godly wisdom in her heart. And that's the gist of it. Amen. Amen. See, the thing is, is that, and like you say, she's saying, we tell people who are Christians not to trust themselves. Right. Not trust our own understanding. Because we recognize if we are redeemed, we recognize through the word of God, through the, the spirit of God, which testifies of Christ and his word, what is sinful and what is not. But we need to know the Word of God to know the difference. She would have you say that, well, if you're saved, then you you know, you're you're you can just trust your intuition. Well, let, let's talk about that real quick. We're still in the process of sanctification. Go back to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Joy says, Well, you're made you're made new, so your your understanding is God's understanding. But if I'm made new, and I'm still in this world, and I'm still being redeemed out of this world, I'm still being sanctified, i got to trust God. And the only way I'm going to know how to trust what is the Lord's will and what is my will is I go to his word. I'm to lean on him, not mine. In all, my, all, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Not that, well, if I think it's good, God's blessed it. But I acknowledge him. I turn to him. And he will put make the stra- the path straight that I will be on, not me, Lord. I'm going down this path, to straighten it out, which is what Jory would have you believe. Word, you know, God's word is our ultimate authority, because in myself I'm not sufficiently wise to trust what is good according, you know, and what is God's will. I'm not. I can't trust that I'm going to just discern that out of thin air. I'm to seek His word. 
and be informed and equipped to resist temptation, sin, and the foolish ideologies of this world. We've talked about this, one of the favorite passages on this show, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Genesis to Revelation is everything that we need for life and godliness. It is everything we need for correction and teaching and, and, and training in righteousness. It's not my heart that Paul says go to go to. He says go to the word of God. I'm not to trust my own understanding, as Proverb, you know, as Proverbs says. I'm to trust God's understanding. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. These are people that are trained in the word of God to teach us, right? Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by what? The waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. I have a question. Go ahead. If the Bible in its entirety is not the infallible Word of God, and you don't believe that all of Scripture is the Word of God, including the writings of Paul, which most of these people deny Mm -hmm. and just say that, well, this is just Paul's suggestions. That's not really Scripture. That's not the Word of God, which it is. Even Peter Mm -hmm. acknowledged that Paul's writings were Scripture. But if you do not believe that the Bible in its entirety is the Word of God, why would you waste time pursuing a master's in biblical theology if you didn't even believe that all of that book was the Word of God? Why? I, I honestly, and, and this was a question that was brought up on a Twitter conversation earlier this week, and I this has been the answer that I have come to. I believe that those like Jory and others who, who come to these these lunatic ravings, I'm sorry, I can't use a better phrase. They like the legitimacy that Christianity brings to their pagan ideologies. If you invented this stuff out of thin air and called and created a God in your own image and you didn't, and you rejected the Bible and said, worship this, I think people would have a hard time getting folks to follow that. Now you can create a God called psychology or sociology or theory and say and, and and create a god of secular humanism, and people will follow that because that's great. It makes me feel good about myself. But I think they love the legitimacy that Christianity brings. It is literally the largest belief system on the planet. And so, marrying these ideas to Jesus because Jesus is about love gives them an air of legitimacy. I honestly believe that's what they want. They want to marry this and create a religion of their own. But they can't do it out of thin air. So they try to mesh it with the largest belief system on the planet. And it's, a, it's, it's simply a grab for authority so that they can be heard. And it's tragic. 
is truly tragic because they lead so many people astray. Jory doesn't want to think that telling people not to trust themselves, she says that doesn't make sense. And that's because she wants to trust in her own understanding. She wants to lean on her own understanding. The unregenerate man says, oh, I can trust my own heart. That's of immense comfort to me. I love that. I, I, I think about myself all the time. So this is of immense comfort to me. To the Christian, if you hear lean on your own understanding, we ought to recoil in horror because we have the Spirit of God. She's right. The Spirit of God for the Christian resides in us. What should that do? It should expose every vile sin that we have and make us recoil in horror at who we are and turn to Christ in a deeper sense of repentance. Jory says we need to flow with the Spirit of God. Well, here's what the Bible says about that. Jesus is speaking in uh, John chapter 15, 26 through 27. But when the helper comes, I will, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And, he will, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So it is to teach and to point to Christ. And what does Christ want us to do? Well, let's go to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we are to learn how to flow with the Spirit, we got to learn what Jesus commanded us to do. How are we going to learn that? Go back to His Word. We can't flow with the Spirit if we are rejecting the Word of God as the final authority. You can't wrongly interpret it if you read it from beginning to end, understanding its context, and trusting in the, you know, in the Holy Spirit because you're going to get what the writers said. And the more you understand it, the more you spend time in it, the more you read it, the more you pray over it, the more you apply it into your life, the more you're going to be conformed to the image of God. But according to Jory, that is the worst thing you can do. Because you're not trusting yourself. Right, I don't want to trust myself. I want to trust God. I know what goes on in my head every five minutes. You don't want to spend time in my head. You don't want to spend time in my heart. I know the wicked things and the evil things that reside there. Why? Because I have the Spirit of God. Because it bring, the Spirit of God through His Word brings about godly repentance. A turning from sin. She says that we need to learn everything about intuition and discernment. How do you get discernment, the word of God, because God's word is true beginning to end. My word ain't so true on its own. So I have to be able to discern where I'm right, which was when it's in alignment with the word of God, and when I'm wrong, when it's in rebellion against the word of God. That's discernment. Intuition? Mm -mm. Don't trust your intuition. Trust the word of God and have your mind conformed and renewed. And then when you hear something like Jory Micah saying, 
I don't look to the word of God as the final authority anymore. You go, uh, I discern that's bad. I discern she never did to begin with. I absolutely agree. I think what we're seeing in Miss Micah is what she has always been, which is an unregenerate, uh, you know, rebel against God. And she's just well, making like I, it clear. Well, like she wrote in her own bio, she's been in rebellion since her days in Bible college. Yep. Because she did not like what the men told her. But there's so many applications to the parable of the sower. And to me, this is a prime example when it talks about the, the, the seed being cast and the bird takes it away. This is a prime example of, of that seed being taken away, flying off, and throughout her life, Satan has whispered, did God really say? And yep. she sadly has succumbed to that. And, so, and, and that's spot on, brother. I was just gonna, Go ahead. And in closing, I, I would, in closing I'd, like, I'd ask our listeners to pray for the Lord to grant Jory Micah true repentance and true salvation, because based on fruit, this lady is not saved. This lady has never been in possession of Christ. She professed Christ like so many within American evangelicalism today. She was Christianized as at a young age, but she has never repented and truly believed in Christ and been granted the gift of salvation. And on top of that, be praying that the Lord grant her a heart of forgiveness that will remove this burden of grief and anger that seems to be swelling up still inside of this lady. I don't, I would say young lady, but I have no idea of her age. So I will just say this lady, but yeah. um, I, I, I hope and pray that this episode will reach and help someone out there and turn them away from falling under the teachings of a lady like Jory Micah or Beth Moore or any of them. Um, Chris, if you would add a, add the link in the show notes by our friend, Michelle Leslie, mm -hmm. the, on the article about how to decide on your own, whether someone's a, a woman is a false teacher. I read that again, and, and that's an excellent resource, not just for women, but also for men, because it has many applications on how to, read and and research someone before you sit under their teaching, before you read their books, or you get caught up in, into their way of thinking. And sadly, today, when you go to a Christian catalog or Christian bookstore or so many other different, different avenues where you can buy resources, it's like a minefield today because it's like hit and miss whether you're going to grab somebody solid or not, mm -hmm. especially if you're new to Christ or if you've never been serious about studying the Bible, you know, I, I know people that, in my opinion, that probably are saved, but they've never grown past milk. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the case when it comes to be, to being a true child of God. We should want to read. We should want to study. We w should want to learn and know as much about the Lord as we can. And sadly, too many people think, well, I'm saved. That's it. That's all I need to do. Yeah. You know, and I want folks to understand, we didn't do this show to pick on Jory. I'm sure, should this make it to her, and Jory's history, it tends to be replete with this. I mean, 
my goodness, she just accused Dr. White of being mean to her and how her dad would take Dr. White to the woodshed, essentially, for, you know, correcting her. Um, I suspect that if she were to come across this and hear us, and she would be, she would scream victim. She would scream that she's a victim of uh, sexism and misogyny. Nothing could be further from the truth. I suspect that were Jory Micah to genuinely be redeemed um, and genuinely submit herself to the authority of God's word, she seems like she could be a very intelligent woman when it comes to the word of God. And she could, she could, with her gift of communicating, she could probably communicate wonderful things for the word of God to other women and, 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 and people in her life. But only God can do that in her. She can't manifest this on her own. But why are we taking her to task? Because she has put herself out there, number one, publicly to say these things and wants people to applaud her and follow her. So she's done this publicly. We're responding publicly. This is not an issue of misogyny or sexism. This is whether she's a man or a woman. What she said was utter heresy. She is rejecting the word of God and telling people to follow their own hearts. That's heresy. So this has nothing to do with her sex. This has everything to do with what she said. Secondly, this is becoming all too common within, quote-unquote, American evangelical Christianity. These kind of things are being taught. These kind of things are being reinforced. And people like Jory Micah are seen as heroes because they're championing LGBTQ plus alphabet soup. They're, they're championing, I can't say the word right, they're being champions for women in, in ministry. And they're being applauded. And they're being lauded as heroes for standing against the patriarchy. And people are following this. And you're going to end up in these conversations somewhere along the way. The word of God is clear. We turn to him. We turn to his word. And we renew our minds through his word first. And then we look at these issues in the, in the world and go, this is how I respond because God has said so. Not because my own heart has led me to think that way. Trust your own heart. I think it was Nate Pickowitz. See if I can find this. I think I saved it. Um, Nate Pickowitz basically said that trust your own heart is a lie from the pit of hell. And he's spot on correct. Okay. Um, absolutely. Spot on correct. I like what James White said. He says, theology that begins with man will never rise above the creaturely level. It's God will always be less than, divine, than, than the divine Yahweh of Scripture. It's gospel will always be a self-help methodology that turns grace into a freebie but ineffective, a, free, a, a feeble but ineffective offer of help. Excuse me. That is what Jory Micah and others peddle. It's a theology that begins with man. It is a lie from the pit of hell to say, lean on your own understanding. 
So we put this out there, not because we want to pick on her. Believe me, there are a lot of other things we'd rather talk about. Okay? But what she is saying, what she is putting out there is emblematic of what is going on in American... Ah, follow your heart is a satanic lie. Sorry, I misquoted Nate. Follow your heart is a satanic lie. It is, it is what is becoming more and more what we will see brought against the church. You need to be accepting. You need to be affirming. You need to, to love your neighbor in this way. You need to not harm. You need to, you need to do all these things if you're going to be a Christian. The world is defining what is a Christian. And Jory is a prime example of that. So we're not picking on her. I pray for her repentance. We did before the show. We're begging you to pray for her repentance now. But she needs to be marked and avoided. But she also, we need to be aware, this is what she and others are teaching. And your children and you and your congregants and all the people around you that are claiming the name of Christ are being exposed to these teachings and some of them will be swayed. And we need to be able to respond to this. And not go, um, well, you know, well, yeah, you, you, God did change your heart. And I guess, you know, we don't want to do that. That's how we get sucked into this kind of man-centered thinking. So, want, wanted to address that. That was, that was a rough one. And I know I, like, laughed almost maniacally when Rich was reading through some of that stuff. But because it was so painful to hear the word of God so maligned as, as she was doing. So somebody might go see, oh, you're just mocking her. I was not trying to mock her. Believe me. I fear for her. And I fear for those who ascribe to this. They will stand before Christ one day and they will hear those fearful words, behold, you know, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. That should terrify us. Well, stop right now. Go read Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, and understand what Chris just said. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we thank you for being with us. A uh, little bit long tonight, hour and a half. I appreciate the uh, the patience. Um, but it was it was something that was, I believe, worth going through. So we thank you for being with us. Uh, again, want to remind you, Christian Podcast Community, uh, we are a part of that. Go check them out. I'll put that in the show notes. Again, um, it I don't want to harp on it, but we do have the Patreon page. Uh, in fact, I, I have an idea. I've come to a conclusion. I think we, we talked about this last week. Uh, Andrew sent us five copies of his two books, What They Believe and What We Believe. One dealing with uh, the fa various fal false religions such as Islam and and others and what they believe about their faith and, 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 and how we need to interact with that. And then what we believe, which is uh, something of a systematic theology. Um, both very good books. Um, the only book you'll ever see me probably ever do a review in is Andrew's second book, What, what Do We Believe? Um, somebody, he was crazy enough to let me review it. But somebody was kind enough to buy five copies of each book. And we're coming up on five years of being on the air in this program and slowly but surely continue to see God bless us by bringing in listeners and keeping us on the air. So what I, what we decided was this, <laughs> this is going to sound like me begging for supporters. I'm not 
But since we've got five copies to give away, the first five people who sign up for Patreon, and you can give a dollar a month, I don't care. Um, the first five of you that sign up will be the winners of these two books. So you'll get two books. For five of you will get two books. What do they believe? What do we believe? Both by Andrew Rappaport. And as much grief as we give him, Andrew did some really good job on these books. Um, so the first five of you, and I don't care if it takes six months, <laughs> the first five of you that sign up will uh, will become our uh, our winners of those five books. So what you have to do is you have to go to you know patreon.com slash voice of reason radio and become a patreon and there is a way where you can message us um, on there but also because we get busy and we forget to check little things like little red dot notifications on phones and stuff uh, shoot us an email if you have become a patreon supporter shoot us an email Andrew you don't get to enter your own contest uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot us an email at voiceofreasonradio at gmail.com. Let us know that you've signed up so we can identify who those first five are. We can actually go to the Patreon account and see, and then we will respond to you. We will get your information and we'll send them out. Okay. Um, it's the only way I could really think of to send those out because I'm really bad at giveaways and I don't have a very good imagination on how to do them. So since we're going to do that, we'll do it this way. And uh, we, if nobody signs up, then we'll find a whole different giveaway because we still got till April anyway. So if nobody signs up to be Patreon, that's fine. I'm not worried about it. We'll just come up with uh, something different by the time April rolls around. So, <laughs> so we'll just we'll do that. But uh, it, you know, we really appreciate, if nothing else, that you listen, that you shared it with others, you've you've told other people about it. That that more than anything is more important than any patreon support and even beyond that that you pray for us that we would continue to be faithful to god that we would continue to use this podcast not for our own promotion but for the promotion of the word of god and that we would seek to glorify him that pray for that it, more than anything I, the patreon thing doesn't matter pray for us because we could always use that okay so rich any last comments before we go yeah um to everyone listening to this, grab a gospel track, grab your Bible, and go proclaim the gospel. Period. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you for hanging on for a little bit longer show. Uh, we appreciate it. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.